Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Non-League Podcast with me, John Phipps and Matt Gerrard. Now, normally we do like to start with a bit of messing about, but it seems that this week we should get into the big story of the week pretty early on. So after some brief niceties, we're just going to crack on. So so Matt, how are you? Yeah, good John. Yeah, the weather's not too good today, but um shocked of the ra- ra- coming, incomings and goings from Kent Football. So uh, probably the... Well, if you haven't heard, John will explain, then we'll discuss it in a minute. Exactly, yeah. I mean, that's where we've got to start. So we've got to start with the massive news that came out of Maidstone United on Tuesday afternoon. In that after more than seven years in charge, uh, manager Jay Saunders has left the Gallagher Stadium by mutual consent. Um, This is probably going to sound really odd, but bear with me. But when I found out, which was actually from you, Matt, I was both surprised and not surprised at the same time. I mean, I'd heard a few whispers that all wasn't particularly well there, but I still really wasn't expecting it at this stage of the season. And whatever happens now, Matt, there's a big decision ahead for everyone at Maidstone United. Yeah, I think he was probably a little bit... He must have been under pressure last season when he had uh, 17 games unbeaten. I remember November time when we were thinking both were going to play Maidstone. It could be a top-of-the-table clash in the National League. That didn't work out. Maidstone went on a... A poor run. Admittedly, they lost from players Piggott uh, and Hines, who went off with to pastures new. But yeah, six wins in 30 games. And if you put that over a season, you're likely going to be near enough to the relegation zone. And them started too well. Going in front, not finishing games off. Like weekend, 2 1 up uh, and 1 0 up, losing games. It's got to be disappointing. And it's a brave decision. Um, but I think maybe the right decision for Maidstone. Maybe he overachieved the success he had in three and four seasons, but it'll go down as a club legend. And it'll be interesting to see where he goes next and where Maidstone go for it, go next. Because to me, it's a well-run club. You get good gates, two, two and a half thousand. The potential's there. And for me, maybe Epstein overtaken them because of the backing they've got. Maidstone should, in theory, be the next club, Kent club to get into the Football League. They've done it before. Um, I think Epsley are definitely in charge of that at the moment because of the back they've got. But Maystone, big potential. In it. And it's a big appointment for them because you've seen before, you get rid of a manager who's been there a long time. If you make the wrong choice, you could go backwards. So it's an important decision. That's something I don't think they're going to rush into too quick. No, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, Jay Saunders has done fantastically well. I mean, obviously, when he took over, they were in what was then the Ryman South and he's, he's guided them up through it. Had he reached the ceiling? Possibly he had. However, Two, three months ago, a, a football league club wanted him. Macclesfield Town what, approached him and he thought long and hard about if he was actually going to leave. And I'd imagine now, with how the season started, he's probably thinking, oh, perhaps I should have gone. Yeah, well, that was an interesting one because, for me, thinking about it, Maidstone, uh, you know, wasn't, weren't going to stand in the way. But, uh, maybe Maidstone are a bigger club, potentially, than Macclesfield. They get better gates um, from that. So that would have made room... Alarm bells a little bit, thinking, no, they don't really want me there if they're letting me go to Macclesfield. Well, they, he made the right decision. I think he made it for family reasons not to go there. But the season hasn't started too well. So maybe it's the writing was on the wall when they said to him, yeah, you can go to Macclesfield. So um, it was a strange... I don't know why Macclesfield wanted him, to be honest. He's a, a solid manager, but last season wasn't the best for him, really. When they went full time as well. So it was a strange one on that. He made that decision and... Macclesfield, I know, apart from the League Cup, they've done it right. They're not putting up too many threes in the league. So, um, strange one. But where does Jay go from here? To me, I don't think he'd get another National League job. And I can't see him getting a Football League job. Can you? I probably can't. Not at the moment. Not with the experience that he's got. Because the problem is, 
from his point of view, is, is his managerial experience is limited to one club. He's done a great job there. But people may look at his CV and say, well, you know, where else can what what else can you show us you've done? And, you know, it's it's a little bit like when everyone when Andy Hessenthaler went back to Gillingham the second the second time and everyone was saying, Oh, yeah, well he's done a great job at Dover, he got him promoted. But getting Dover out of the Ryman South isn't that great an achievement. And you know, Jason is I'm not saying for a second he hasn't done a fantastic job at Maidstone, but getting a club of that size with those resources into the National League probably wasn't as big an achievement as as it could be deemed. It looks like they've had a massive rise up through the leagues, but they were the biggest club in most of those leagues. You know, not many teams can go straight into a league and be promoted straight be promotion favourites and then go straight through the league as they did with the National League South. You know, it it wasn't it, it it wasn't exactly a surprise that Maidstone have, have had the rise that they've had. And and it is, from that point of view, if someone is going to take a punt on him, because it is a punt now. Um, he did a great job at Maidstone. I think, personally, he hit the ceiling. I think that the recruitment over the summer hasn't been fantastic. Um, and there is going to be work to do for the new man. I'm sure that it, whoever they bring in, and we'll discuss some possible names in a minute, but whoever they're going to bring in is going to have to do some work to, to get that squad, if they want to be competing in the top half of the National League. That there's certainly some some areas that they need to improve, and no, for me, I can't see. I certainly can't see a football league club coming in from him. Um, there might be a national league club if you're a national league club and you have a, a a really bad run of form. Will people start looking around? But you know, I suppose that one thing that people have said on social media is looking down one league lower where Billericay Town are playing games with their managers again. Now, personally, I don't think that would be a wise career move for Jay Saunders, but. Is that somewhere that he could end up? And, and you know, how far is he prepared to travel? And I don't know what the other implications for him as well, because I understood that he was, you know, he worked at the club as well. That was his his job before they became full-time was at the club as well. So, you know, the, the future for Jay Saunders is, is probably up in the air at the minute. Yeah, I don't know if he, he still run the academy and the academy's quite successful there. I don't know if he was heavily involved in that when they're doing full-time training. So, again, maybe... You know, I'm not in his business, I don't know if he needs to work straight away, but maybe you want to just have a look in, go and watch some games, get you know, get your mojo back, so to speak, because it's all hurting, and jumping straight back in may may not be, and I wouldn't have thought Billericay is the right club to do it. It's, I don't think they've announced the second of Weeder, but everybody seems to think that Weeder's been sacked. That's the kind of, you know, you know, you look in the thing where we are on the Kent side here, Dover, they could change their manager, we'll discuss that later, absolutely aren't going to change their manager, probably aren't going to change their manager. And you've seen that Darfur and Welling have got managers themselves. So he's probably going to have to go outside the county unless he wants to go, go backwards to go forwards. But I think your point, right, saying, yeah, when Maystone went to the, to the Gallagher, which is a fantastic achievement, you could see the thing. They were getting the gates. And when you're playing at, at Bostick, Devon Bostick South Division, if you've got a bit of money, as Dover's already, as you mentioned with Hess and Tyler, you can go through the leagues. National League South is probably a little bit tougher than it was when Maystone got out of it. Now... But, again, you can do that. But the leap into the National League is a totally different ball game. And maybe, did he hit the ceiling? Again, I don't think, you know, he's gone through his backroom staff. I don't know if there's friction either with him with the backroom staff or the director. So there hasn't been much stability there. Steve Watts come in, of course, and he's got the job um, from that point of view. But, yeah, I, think, I, I don't think their signings have been particularly, um, you, know, can't, you know, not great. So... Defensively, they look a little bit shaky. Uh, have they got goals in the team apart from Turner? Maybe not. So, yeah. And the other thing is, new manager comes in, you always get 
always makes me laugh at the new manager coming in because he always criticises his previous incumbent's fitness and wants to bring players in. So they could be an overturn of players. So, but again, I don't know how that works with the budget for Maidstone. But interesting times for Maidstone. So um, fair play to Jay. Always been very friendly when I've spoken to him. But a brave decision on Maidstone. And, and again, if they want to progress, I think the correct decision. Yeah, interesting. I, I think they probably could have waited a little bit longer. But I mean, I, I get the impression... I've been chatting to a few people. I get the impression there's more to this than probably meets the eye initially. Um, as you've said there, Steve Watt is in charge. They've said he's definitely in charge for the Gateshead game on Saturday and the Sutton game next Tuesday. Sorry, he was at Margate last year, captain through the uh, the rise through. Um, former Chelsea youngster as well. Um, for me, I don't think he would be the wise, wise appointment at the moment. I, I like Steve Watt. I've got a lot of time for him. But I just wonder if... You know, missing out on the playoffs in the in the Bostic Premier last year to going into a National League club as manager, is that too big of a step up? But then who else is on the market, Matt? You look around and think, is there any outstanding candidates? And I can't see many. No, there's people like I mentioned, Sean Derry, who's managed Cambridge and Notts County. Um, but again, you're going to get managers who've probably failed at other clubs. So um, that is the thing, the, the, the beauty of football, that somebody would have maybe had a good job in the League 2, something like that. For me personally, an up-and-coming manager is Luke Goward of Bournemouth. Bournemouth are well-funded because they've got their links to Arsenal and the chairman puts money in. They get gates of 300 and he took them to the playoffs from that point of view. Very similar to Jay, up-and-coming manager, works with the academy. Would they be able to prize him away from um, Bournemouth? He won't, he won't have as enough money, but he'll have eight times more the, the, the crowd there behind him and he wants to go from that. So Luke Garrard, maybe an appointment. Neil Smith, we're just going to hear from him later, and um, maybe from that. I think they'll go somebody with football league experience. But if Steve Watt gets some result against Gateshead and against Sutton, Sutton a decent side at this level, you know, would that be a, uh, would that put him in the shot window? Um, you see the other game again coming up after that. They're White Salford, so some tough games coming up for Mason, and maybe that's what they decided. To, to do it a little bit earlier as well with the fixtures coming up. So, yeah, what Sean Derry's come up for me, Luke Garrard, if you can prize him away. And I'm trying to think of old managers, Gary Johnson, took Cheltenham up, he's lost his job. But do Maidstone go for a Luke Garrard type manager? Manager on the up or manager who's seen it done, it had numerous clubs, have been sacked at numerous clubs, but has the experience of League Two and League One. AD Pennock, for example, in that sort of window, I know he will apply. Um, would the Maidstone, Maidstone fans be happy with the next Julian manager coming in? Interesting to see your views, John. It's very interesting, and and the the question I'm going to ask, which will probably finish off this sort of section, is: Is Maidstone a big draw for team for managers in the National League? You know, you've mentioned a couple of names there, but there is obviously this problem of the three G pitch that means at the moment Maidstone United cannot be promoted to the Football League. As things stand, they've made it very clear they are big fans of the 3G pitch and the 3G pitch is staying. So right now, at this moment, Maidstone United cannot be promoted into the Football League with that pitch surface. That may change. But some of the people you've mentioned there, Sean Derry, Gary Johnson, they are the sort of managers who, if they take a job in the National League, their number one aim is to get into the Football League. It's the same with Luke Garrett. He wants to get into the Football League. So if you're if you see a club at the moment physically cannot get into the Football League. How much of a draw is that to a manager who may want to, who wants to further himself, wants to get into the Football League? I, I can't see Garrett being prized away from Bournemouth, not just for the money reasons, 
but for exactly that reason, in that I can't see how he will take a club who he got to the playoffs last year and if they'd beaten Tranmere at Wembley would be in the Football League now, or a club who if they'd got to the playoff final and beaten Tranmere would have been relegated as the rules stand. So for me, I think that's the big decision. The big decision there is who is going to see that job with the promotion status as it is as a big enough draw to leave anywhere else or to try and further their career. I think you made a valid point about them not being able to get promoted. So that's not going to happen anytime soon, I don't think, if they're going to allow it in. But the potential is there for Man United. If you can build the team up, you've got the fans, which is half the battle, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought these supporters are going to drift away now that Jay Saul's gone, even if they're having an unsuccessful season. Um, they're good supporters, loyal supporters from that. Yeah, that may put managers off, but it's a big club in the National League with good attendances. And, you know, you have 3,000 against it. I know we have bought a few, but you've got, you've got the stability there. Do you, do I, I'm, I'm torn, would you go for a season manager or a manager on the way up? If they wanted manager with National League experience, there's plenty out there. You know, it, it, it is an interesting one. And I presume the style of football, people want sexy football these days as well, isn't it? I'm not saying that Jason Owens didn't, but, he, you know, the signings he made, he went a little bit more direct as the season, seasons went on. So, yeah, interesting one. I think it's a story we'll be discussing it next this time next week. If Steve Watts got six points on the board, he's going to be in pole position. I thought, and, and I'm not being this derogatory, probably be the cheaper option for them. Yeah, and obviously Stones fans. I saw a few of you on Twitter last night saying that you, you weren't, you didn't seem best pleased with the decision. But if there's anyone else you want to have your say, um, drop us a message on Twitter at KenNL Podcast. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. Um, let us know what you think about the decision for, for Jay Saunders to move on and who you'd like to see come in his place. So anyway, we've talked about Mason enough now. So obviously let's talk about um, why people will actually listen to the podcast, Matt. Um, it's our 47th episode this week of the Kent Only podcast. Um, and apparently that's quite an important number in Star Trek. Um, I've got you pegged as a bit of a Trekkie, Matt. So I'm sure you already know about all this, yeah? I, I can't abide things like that. Cannot abide them. Eighth generation, no, no. <laughs> I'm not really into anything sci-fi. Um, Star Wars, I thought the first one, the original one, the rest of it doesn't, no, no, I'm not, I'm, I, 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 a bit like um, uh, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. I'm just a standard detective murder mystery. Get back onto the bridge. I'm not into sci-fi or medieval fantasy stuff like that, John. No, you get what you get with me, mate. Standard ITV, BBC, Netflix crime dramas. That's it. The new Sherlock Holmes, that's me. Yeah, that's probably fair. That's about kind of where I feel um, on those sorts of things. I just literally, I, I looked it up and it said apparently there's someone, one of the main Star Trek writers used to get the number 47 or 74 in lots of episodes. And, you know, that to me just makes me think, I don't know why, why I'd want to watch it anyway. It's 47 in my maths, isn't it? A prime number that can't be divided by anything. Is that what a prime number means? I think that's, uh, yeah, that's correct, yeah. You... So it's a prime number, 47. The prime number for the prime non-league podcast. Yeah. Um, also, one more thing <laughs> that I do <laughs> want to just add quickly is I've had some good news this week. Um, much like Matt and his mint feasts, I have had a problem. And it's a, quite a serious problem. I drink a lot of squash. And... Uh, I'm a big fan of lemon and lime flavoured squash. And there's only one of the main supermarkets that sell it. And I've been I've I've been pulling my hair out because they've not had any for months and months and months. I've been I've been desperate. Mm-hmm. What is your favourite supermarket of choice? Sorry? What is your favourite supermarket of choice? 
Um, normally, I prefer Morrison's. Um, I don't mind a bit of Sainsbury's. But the supermarket in, in question here is Asda, because I'm quite lucky to live near all three. Um, so, But Asda's lemon and lime squash has been off the shelves for months, and I've been having to drink orange, lemon and pineapple, or tropical, or apple and blackcurrant. This weekend, went in there, lemon and lime squash, wallop, two bottles. This is a sort of fantastic, this is how you would feel if you saw a mint feast, Matt. But, well, as I only drink water, you think, well, just drink water instead of putting the uh, E-numbers inside you. That's what I say to my kids when they're knocking it back, which you put half a pint glass of strawberry juice in and about one sip of water. So there you go. I'm, I'm, I'm water till I think. But did you did you punch the air when you saw that? Because I would, that's a, that's a life win when you saw that, I would have thought. Pretty much, yeah. Well, actually, it was my other half saw them and she brought them round um, to the till. She'd gone somewhere else and she like, literally came round. I was like, oh my God, you've got some squash. And then she said... Do you know what I should have done? She said, I should have kept them and wrapped them up and given to you for your birthday because it would have been the best <laughs> present you could have had. Um, would you soon? I, I, I remember. I would imagine that it's uh, less than two weeks away. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Um, anyway, we've uh, we've already spoken about Maidstone United, so let's look at the rest of the National League where it was a good weekend for two of our teams as Ebb Street United collected six points and Bromley four, coming from 2-0 down to get a point in our high-flying Wrexham before thumping having a Waterlooville on Monday. And on Tuesday, Matt caught up with Neil Smith, who was understandably chipper after the weekend. Yeah, well, well Neil, it's been a, a, a fantastic uh, weekend for you with a great result at Wrexham and followed up by that, uh, well, thumping of having a Waterloo. You must be delighted. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we obviously going to Wrexham, we, they were top of the league, had, had only let one goal in after five games, so we knew it was always going to be tough. And, um, you know, we started off really well. Uh, obviously, to go a goal down was a bit disappointing in the second one. Um, but the boys never, you know, never gave up. Got the, uh, the, you know, the goal back from Frankie Sutherland, and then obviously, you know, the boys went for it. To get the draw was was amazing. And then, you know, it's only a great result if you can win at home. Um, so if we can win, you know, like we did against Haven, like we did, you know, it, was, it, it, it just tops it off. And um, really delighted for everybody at the club. I tell you, the, the, the point at Wrexham when you score so late on, it feels like three points anyway, doesn't it? No, absolutely. You know, I was disappointed that we were too nil down. The way we played, we, you know, we, we were quite um, attack-minded. We, we, we weren't going there just to get a draw. We, we actually thought we could and believed we could win. Um, but to score when we did, obviously, you know, the changing room was buzzing afterwards. The journey all of a sudden doesn't seem to take as long as it did. Um, and then, you know, we come in Sunday and build ourselves up for the Hammer game, which we knew, would, again, would be a tough game because they're a goal-scoring side. You know, I know they've let quite a few in, but they keep scoring. So... You know, to keep a clean sheet and to score as many as we did was just um, everything that we'd wanted. Yeah, what about, and your strikers on the score sheet yesterday, that must be pleasing for you as well, particularly Bougules. Hadn't scored so far, but it's been key to your play. Oh, Omar's done everything but score. And, you know, we, we, there was no pressure on him to score. He just he keeps doing that, you know, with the work ethic and creating other things for other people and, you know, being a real handful for the defenders, you know, we'll, we'll create. And um, so for him to score so early as well, you just see him so relaxed, you know, and he just went on and, and then scored. He just went really, to, you know, just topped it off by then scoring again. And, um, you know, and then Junior, Junior's come in on loan and done absolutely fantastic. And, you know, he's on three goals now. So, um, you know, we weren't too concerned with it in respect of who scores. As long as we're creating and someone, someone's doing it, you know, that's all that matters to us. Was that, you say that was your best performance of the season so far on, on Bank Holiday Monday? enough chances to have scored but then you know we did exactly the same against Harrogate 
Um, but we just didn't have the end product. We just didn't, didn't have those goals. I think we, we created 25 chances against Harrogate and come up with, you know, only scoring one. Um, I think we created less uh, yesterday, um, but scored four. So, you know, there are there, there are there are going to be peaks and troughs, but as a, as a whole performance from everybody, from David Gregory right through to the subs that come on, you know, it was a, it was a real team performance, and um, I think we probably deserved the win. You mentioned about you know you travelling uh, coming back in on Sunday. There's been a lot of criticism of the National League schedule uh, with the game in seven games in uh, August in a short space of time. What's your view on that? Yeah, it's tough, um, but, but it is what it is. You know, we, we get on with it. We didn't have, you know, we, we had a bit of a small squad at the start of the season with um, so many injuries. Um, we've had to get a, a few loans in. So, you know, we're just, you, you, you've got to, you know, get the players ready for it. You have to prepare, but you try and do as much as you can during pre-season because it is, it's a tough ask, especially for the first month of the season to go in so heavy-handed. But, um, you know, it is what it is. You get on with it. Everybody's, you know, got the same... Outlook, there's no, there's no difference. Everyone's got the same fixture list, so um, you, you just prepare the best you can. And um, you know, coming in on Sunday, you know, give them, they get a massage and a little bit of lunch, and it just keeps the players together. There was no real um, little bit of um, tactics, but other than that, it was just to keep the boys together after such a great result. You brought in a couple of experienced players at this level, Sam Wood and John Goddard. What will they bring to the squad? Because a couple of real players who know this level. Yeah, well, you, you just said it—the experience. You know, John Goddard obviously has played this level with with, with Woking, and then obviously you know going into the league and just not having that little bit of fortune that you might need. But he's a very very good player. He links the midfield and the forwards up, which is probably what I, I sort of lost out. Obviously, with losing Louis Dennis, um, and Sam Wood brings the experience of playing for over 300 league games. He's back at his old club where he started, uh, Bromley, and um, you know he's again he's been a, a fantastic acquisition and um, you know the ball to, to show their backing to me is, is brilliant and um, it was what I needed at the right time so, so nine points from seven games do you think that's about power or do you think you should have a little bit more I think we should have a little bit more as I say I think we should have beat Harrogate I think there was a you know I don't think you know up until Danny Rowe scores an absolute fantastic goal against AFC Fylde I don't think we, we deserve to lose there but you know there's, there'll be games when hopefully we win that maybe we shouldn't have but um you know where we are. It's not. It's not a bad situation. I do think we're probably, probably three or four points off of where I think we should have been. But um, you know, it's now up to us to make sure we we gain those points somewhere else. And, uh, we've got some tough games coming up, thick and fast. But um, you know, hopefully, I've got the players like Mecky and Frankie Sutherland who didn't play coming back to fitness. Jack Holland. Um, so all of a sudden, the, the, the squad seems to get strengthened again. Yeah, Magnet on Saturday again. That was a sort of. Last game of last season, where you could have got in the playoffs, and they gave you, you know, scored five past you. So a little bit of revenge on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Alan Devonshire sets his teams up. They're very well organised, uh, very strong, very direct, very physical. Um, so we know what we're, we're coming up against. And yeah, like like you like you just said, had nothing to play for at the end of the season, and, and, and you know it was a bit embarrassing at the end. Um, so we, you know we do we we have a on a bit a little little bit of revenge back, but um, we know it's going to be tough. Um, but we're, we're up for it, you know. I think at the moment I've got a squad that can sort of deal with most things. So um, I'm hoping that we can come away next week with a win. But uh, we know it's going to be hard. And they're doing pretty well, Matt, aren't they? They've obviously had a slow start. They had that heartbreaking end to last season, but they seem to have found their feet. And that's a pair of really good results for them on, over the weekend. Uh, fantastic results for them. I think um, I saw them this season when Dover played them, and Dover. 
probably should have won that game. But, you know, Neil Smith doesn't panic. Signings of wood and God are absolutely fantastic signings. You know, when they lost uh, Louis Dennis and people like that, you think, hmm, maybe they're going to struggle. But he's brought in quality replacement. Doesn't panic, Neil Smith. And you've got Bugle and the guy from Colchester. I can't remember. You know, you can pronounce his name better than I can, scoring two quality goals. So, yeah, I think Bromley, on course, he says he's interested in that interview. thinks they should have two few more points on the board, but nine from seven is a decent turnaround. Good weekend for them. And as he said before, last minute equaliser at Wrexham. They travelled back, and I know they travelled up the night before, so they're doing things professionally, Wrexham, Bromley at the moment. You know, that, that would just fly past them. You know, they're thumping against Avon and Waterloo. You don't want, you know, what you're going to get from Avon and Waterloo, but clearly they put them to the sword. So, um, yes, I think Bromley are up for a, a really good season and some, you know, next two games. Mate, they've won the last two in the Barnet. Can see no reason why they can't pick up six points in those games. No, it's it's nice to see Brom. They're a really nice club. You know, we we obviously went to the FA Trophy final, and they are. You know, they've got the players all seem like a nice bunch. The fans obviously get behind them, and we both said after the FA Trophy final that's going to take some picking up at the start of the season. So the fact they've had a bit of a slower start didn't really surprise me, but they seem to have hit the ground running. And Bugle, I mean, obviously he missed the penalty in the shootout. Um, at Wembley, and, and I think he's had a bit of a slow start in terms of goal scoring. But as you heard Neil Smith say there, he's been really impressed with his contribution. And two goals for him on Monday, massive, massive news for, for him. And, and he'll just keep flying from there, I'm sure. And as you say, the new signings he's brought in, he's just tinkered with the squad ever so slightly. He's still got the basis. I mean, he lost, obviously, Dennis. He lost Reese as well in the summer. Um, but they they brought in some good players. And, you know, Bromley are on for a solid season, I'd say, at the moment. They'll probably be our second National League club in in the final standings and they'll be pushing around the top 10 again. And, and for a club of the size of Bromley, that's all they can wish for. And I'll tell you what as well, Matt, right now, I wouldn't bet against them going on another long, long run in that FA Trophy. Yeah, and I think the FA Cup, you don't, you're on the sides if you, you don't want to play a Bromley away from home, I would have thought. Yeah, I think um, that will always be clawing at Neil Smith, probably thinking what could have been if he'd have brought that, how close they got to bring the trophy. So that'll be a competition. But again, maybe, you know, you look, you look at the league as well, maybe think they can do it. It's very northern dominated at the moment, but actually starting at the top of the table. But there's no reason why they can't go in. A good manager, and, and I'm not trying to get rid of him from Bromley, but again, if Maidstone wants to be a manager from that, Neil Smith could be near the top of their radar as well. Yeah, I think he's, he's, he's done a fantastic job there, but... You know, I personally think that would be a side-by-step for Neil Smith. And obviously, um, when we spoke to him before, he lives in Bromley. You know, it's his local club. And I think he's got that club really at his heart. And I think it would have to be something incredibly tempting to get him to move away from Hayes Lane. Um, Ebbsfleet beat Aldershot and Eastley over the weekend. Big, big game for them on Saturday, Matt. A home to AFC Fylde. Um, and then they've got a, a little stroll down at Crabble on Tuesday night, haven't they? Well, the way it's going, it's going to be a very much a stroll from them there. But... Ebsley don't concede many goals, solid, winning 1-0 away from home. It's looking good. Dale McMahon has done a really good job there. I think um, somebody said to me before, maybe it's all about him and the money situation, but he's worked his players in, he's kept the solidity of the squad. Uh, you know, for me, they're nailed on for the playoffs, absolutely, Ebsley. I think they don't lose many games. Organised squad, everybody knows their jobs. And the way the league's going at the moment... Could they go on and win it? There's no There's no reason for it. They've got the extra funding if they need to buy players in. You know, they spent you know, near on 60 grand on the likes of Whiteley and, um, and Michael Cheek. So there is, you know, they're not 
scared to splash the cash, but Ebbsfleet will be absolutely delighted with their start to the season they've had. So the games they've lost, and they lost one nil, you know, as well, and they uh, penalty and a mistake at the back. So Darren McMahon absolutely delighted, and he's going to be tough on Tuesday night. For my boys, I have to say, and I'm a little bit concerned because Dover needs something on Saturday at first. Yeah, Cheek hasn't really got going yet, which is quite ominous for, for, for Ebbsfleet. And the last thing I'm going to say on Ebbsfleet is when we recorded the first podcast of the season, what, four or five weeks ago, uh, I was in this very living room when Matt Gerrard said, Ebbsfleet will finish 10th. And now, already, they are nailed on for the playoffs. Um, Dover Athletic, obviously, Matt, you mentioned them a little bit there, but disappointing weekend, lost to Eastleigh, um, beaten again on Monday as well. It, it's just not going very well, is it? No, we were, um, to be honest, I didn't expect much from Leighton Orient uh, game, so I'd written that one off, and that's why I thought the um, Eastleigh was must win, but to be honest, it, it's probably the worst first-half performance I've seen from a Briscadier side since he come back to the club. We were second-best to absolutely everything from Eastleigh. I don't think Eastleigh are, are world-beaters. I think they'll be you know, bottom to mid-end of the table, so but David made them look. They couldn't string a pass. They were too slow, not close enough to play what and again, the two goals they've conceded, crosses from the from their left, um, Eastie's right. You know, you've got to deal with things like that. And that is the biggest concern for me. Well, it's more than one big concern, but the, the poor goals they're conceding. Nothing Mitch Walker can do without that. And if you see the goals against Lake Noreen again, you picked apart, picked apart. Uh, and it is a big concern. And Chris Kinnear, there is a Chris Kinnear out campaign at the club. Um, from some of the supporters think that he's done enough. But... Where do I stand? Um, I think he's got two games. You know, if Barnet on Saturday and Ebbsleet on Tuesday um, give them a beating, uh, it could be difficult for Kinnear. But he knows he's got to bring in, in my opinion, only six of the 11 who started against um, Eastleigh uh, are good enough to play in the starting 11. Um, so you're looking four or five players he's got to bring in as soon as possible, otherwise it's going, to, it's going to be a long season, but he needs to bring that in. A couple of signings haven't worked, and Chris Kinnear, as we mentioned before, hasn't been too flexible, and he's quite stubborn. You've got players on the bench who haven't played. You've got to give them a chance now, because the players he's given the chances, 17 goals conceded in seven games. I think that must have taken at least to about game 20-odd last season. So, yeah, it's very, very concerning. And If somebody said to me yesterday, before the news of Jay Saunders, We've lost the uh, Kent manager this afternoon. I may have said Chris Kinnear, head of Jason's, but Kinnear has done a brilliant, brilliant job at Dover. Maybe it's gone on too long, but the signings have been, uh, final word on it, pretty pathetic this season. And that's, I don't know whose fault that is if they can't attract the players anymore or they've lost players, but it is concerning, I have to say. Yeah, very much so. And, and you know, it, the, you said 17 goals and that's the worst defensive record in the National League. And that's not Dover, is it? Dover have always been hard to beat under Chris Kinnear. And at the moment, they seem to be pretty easy to beat. And, and that's got to be a, another major concern because, you know, what you always think you know what you're going to get from Dover. And at the moment, you're getting the exact opposite from what I would expect from them. Yeah, it is. You know, again, story in from the reports I get, you know, nil-nil. As soon as one goes in, that's it. Head's gone. You're not creating anything. The ball's not sticking up top. So the heads go down. So maybe a lack of leadership or something from there. But something's got to change. And I'll be, I think a lot of people, myself included, if there's not a couple of lone players coming in, 
before the end of the week on Saturday, just to freshen up the squad, or at least he's got to make a couple of changes. Um, you've seen David sign players and you never see them play. Um, uh, and you can, and, 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 you know, look at the Ebstreet. Ebstreet, Dale McMahon, you know, they're working on a different budget. I, I appreciate that. But even if they win, he changes the team, changes the team. Chris can get very, very structured in the way he works. So something, something's got to give here at the moment. Two home games on spin, six points. You know, I could be on the table dancing this time next week, John. Two two defeats against that and they have not performing. Performances aren't good. There could be issues and we could be talking about another managerial department in Ken, departure in Kent. Indeed. Well, in the National League South, Welling had a great bank holiday Monday with a 5-0 win at Concord Rangers and they followed that followed on from their 1-1 draw at home to Hempstead Town on Saturday. Darford lost 1-0 at Hungerford on Saturday, but they bounced back to beat East Durham 2-0 on Monday. We always thought it would be an adjustment period for the Darts, and, and so it's proving that. But they'll hope that win on Monday can kickstart something for them. Yeah, I was quite shocked they lost to um, Hungerford because Hungerford had been struggling at the bottom of the table. Bounced back well um, uh, against uh, Con- uh, against uh, they beat on Historic, wasn't it? Yeah. Who, who are struggling again, but they need a bit of uh, consistency, Dartford, when the game's coming up. So at the moment, you know, you'd have thought Woken. Billericke are the sides to watch out for. Some of the other sides haven't really got going at the moment. But yeah, we always thought it would be a season of transition. So maybe not panicking too much from Darfur, but it depends on the supporters expect more, I think, than they do at the moment. But well in, so far so good. They've got a good manager in Steve King and they've gone to Concord who haven't conceded many goals and not five past them. So maximum respect for them. That's a great result. Yeah, exactly. They're at home to Oxford City on Saturday while the darts are away at St Albans. Uh, a bit of a wild for, I think, any of those play the circus um, over in Billericay, which I don't think we'll talk about today, Matt, because we're already heading for a long show. Um, in the Bossetley Premier Division, last last week we spoke about Tunbridge Angels being away to both Margate and Folkestone in Victor over the bank holiday. And it proved to be a brilliant weekend for Steve McKim's side as they claimed six points thanks to a 2-0 win at Hartsdown Park and a 1-0 triumph at Cheriton Road and went top of the table. Five games played, 10 points, no goals conceded. And if a start to the season like that doesn't get your manager a phone call from me on a soaking wet Wednesday morning, then what will? So here's Tunbridge Angels manager Steve McKim. Yeah, very pleased. More um, for the players. Um, it's, it's nothing to do with me. Obviously, we picked the team and that, but the players go over the white line. Um, they get the stick when we lose and get the plaudits when we play, uh, win. So they've done very well. Um, it's a credit to them, you know, and their determination. Bearing in mind we've playing the system we're playing, we've only done it in pre-season. So they're taking on a lot of information quickly and learning and they're putting their bodies on the line. And testament to them, really, mate, more than anybody else. Have you ever had five consecutive clean sheets in a row to start the season before? Mm, no, we have. I don't know if the club have, but I personally haven't. Um, and like I say, it's something to be proud of. It's something to be proud of, but... That's only one month, you know, there's another eight months to go out of the season, so we never get carried away um, because football's very likely to come and kick you between the legs straight away. So why it's going well, the players are enjoying it um, and they'll keep enjoying it and they'll keep working hard to try and maintain it. But like I say, football's a cruel game at times. And looking back at the Bank Holiday weekend, your two Kent rivals in this league, both away from home, and you've gone there and beaten them both, and that's got to be really pleasing. Yep, yep. We was um, away from home in both games, so we had, we had to do the travelling. Um, as you said, they're derbies, um, very uh, closely contested. Um, but 
over the moon with the boys in terms of the performance, especially the second game against Folkestone where Margate took a lot out of us because they pushed us all the way to the end. Uh, and Margate first half, we uh, sorry, Folkestone first half, we should have been 4-0 up. Um, we absolutely dominated. Uh, they had a player sent off and then we seemed to take our foot off the gas a little bit and second half our possession wasn't good enough. And they put us under a bit of pressure, you know, but McKeever's only had one save to make um, for all their striking attributes they got. And I was told that they're the top top goal scorers of the league and could we stop them? And to be fair, my defenders, goalkeeper, and all my, all my 11 out there did stop them, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, very, very pleased because there were some tired legs at the end of that game um, and it was showing and they were putting more pressure on us. But we held out, so very pleased with, with the weekend's work. And you say, obviously, that you know it can be a cool game and you've got to make the most of it, but confidence must be so high, and confidence is so important, isn't it? Yeah, the boys, the boys, have, um, the boys are enjoying it at the moment. They're, they're, they understand, and we explain to them that why the going's good, really enjoy it, but don't stop working hard, because it can continue. Once you stop working hard and doing the things that have got you your success so far in terms of the wins, that's when the wheels fall off. So... If you keep believing that you're doing the right thing and keep doing the right thing, um, more wins will follow. So, no, they are. They're, they're confident, but they're not arrogant with it. Um, they've got themselves a song that they like singing at the end of games and stuff like that, which I think a few teams do now. Um, so that brings a smile to people's faces as well because they're, they're enjoying it and it shows that they're not just winning, coming off and focusing straight away on the next game. They're having a little bit of downtime to enjoy the win have a beer afterwards and then they focus again when we're ready to go the next day and the day after. And obviously you, you lost a, a couple of big sort of players over the summer but you brought in Alex Reid and, and he's already shown what, what he's got at this level. He's, he's a real talent, isn't he? Yeah, could have had that trick Saturday. Um, I know exactly what he's like. Uh, that's why we signed him. And like I say, there's more to come from him. He's learning how we're playing as opposed to um, what he was used to last year. They play, they play a different way to us. And once he gets his feet right under the table, he's going to be an asset. Um, got a comment on Liam King as well, though, that's, that's sort of like fighting for a place with him. Every time that lad's come on, he's been exceptional. Um, and he hasn't really played at this level for a, uh, a run of games. You know, he had a little time at Maystone a few years ago, but he's always been Bostick South. When he's come on, he's, he's looked like if we do get any problems, touch will be done with Alex. He could definitely fill the boots. So, very pleased at the minute. And like I say, with Alex, we know what we're getting. And obviously, after your away day over the weekend, you're looking forward to getting back at home on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Um, as every manager tell you, they're all tough games. Wingate's no exception. Um, they'll be fighting like they have for the last couple of years to be in that top five. Um, they've got experience at the back. They've got a good forward line. So, again, we're going to be up against it um, defensively. And, and when we've got have a bit more goal going forward, um, hopefully we can open them up. So, it'll be a very tough game. Um, but it'd be nice to get back to Longmead. And, like I say, we need to get a result because otherwise the two weekend games will count for nothing, really, if, if we go home and, and don't produce a, a performance. And just finally, the FA Cup draw, that's a, that's a tricky little tie down at Hyde, isn't it? Yeah, it's very tricky. We, uh, we played Favisham from that league last year um, and they beat us um, Hive have got some good good players Zach Anser Ryan Palmer um, 
Jack Samoutis. They've got some really good players. Charlie Webster that was with us, Chris Kinnear. So they're, they're a good side. They're a good side. And that, that's um, when you look at playing a team from a lower league, you think, all oh, right, we should get through. Listen, that's going to be one hell of a hell of a cup game, that. And uh, we've got a, we've got a really really turn up on the day. Otherwise, we'll we'll come unstuck. How much do you want an FA Cup run? I know it's something Angels haven't done particularly well in over the last few years, isn't it? No, we've had one good cup run where we got the fourth qualifying um, in my four years I've been here, which isn't good enough. Um, we need this money. Make no bones about it. We need this money. A few things went on in the summer to, at the club that you know put us in a, in, a, in a bit of trouble. Um, I keep seeing people saying about budgets and stuff like that and, and we're nowhere near one of the big budgets in the league because of what happened in the summer um, and this money is important and the players will get told that so there'll be a bit of extra pressure on the players for this game because they need to help the club out on this and we need to get get that I think it's six grand now for this, this first round we need that money and uh, we'll be doing everything we can to get that and bring it back into the club Stephen McKim there, Matt, he obviously he's he's very pleased how they're doing, but he doesn't want to take the credit. He says the credit goes to those players. And what a start to the season. Five games in in the league, no goals conceded. Fantastic. We said to them at the start of the season, we, we thought it, it should be a big season for Angels because they really underachieved last season. He's made some changes again, uh, um, maybe different formation, and it's working well. You can't grumble five clean sheets on the spin. And again, but what I like today, he's keeping, you know, his feet on the ground, you know, people, you could, that's the difference between supporters and managers. You've got managers, uh, you know, saying, right, we'll turn, turn it around, it's a long way to go, we've got X amount of games to go. Or supporters are sort of jumping from the high, from the highest roofs, the managers have got to go. So, he, Steve McKim has been there a while, probably is a key season for him as a manager, right, we've been in this, you know, playoffs, they got one year, didn't work out, and they go and they started well. I don't think there's a, an outstanding team in this division, and then that shows, if you're organised, and maybe a bit of a goal for it, you're going to do well. So, maximum respect for um, Steve McKinn there. Because I would have thought, he'd, he'd, he'd have gone Kent manager. If he'd started poorly, he'd have been under pressure at the start of the season. Exactly, yeah. And we spoke there about Alex Reid as well. And when I saw that signing was announced in the summer, I, I tweeted out from the podcast account, that's a serious piece of business. I remember watching Alex Reid um, when I first started covering Brentwood Town. So, we're talking nearly six years ago there. And uh, he was always... A, a really promising player. He had trials at football league clubs. He's been to Harlow and that's where Angels have picked him up from. Three goals for him already in the league. Um, and you heard Steve McKim there, say there that, you know, he's been really pleased with Reed, and he, he thinks there's more to come from him. But also he's got Liam King in, who was obviously at Faversham last season as a sort of backup for Reed, And he's been brilliant every time he's come on. And the, the key thing, I mean, obviously they're not conceding goals, but they've obviously got options up front as well. And, and, I think Angels are going to be in for a really, really good season. Yeah, I think there's no reason why not they can keep that consistency. They've maybe learned from what they had last season and the issues they've um, they suffered. But yeah, I think they can. And um, yeah, I, why, why not Angels? Can be, you know, we expected Margate, Folkestone. Folkestone haven't started too badly, but that shows a good result, I think, for Folkestone pretty solid at home. Going there after beating Margate, a little bit disappointed. We discussed this last week, two away games on Bank Holiday. Gone there, did a job, got out of Folkestone. And that puts down an absolute marker as well. So, yeah, good stuff, I think, for um, for, for Steve McKeon. Surely manager of the month? 
Hopefully it's not the curse. Should we come into him uh, very shortly? Yeah, and just finally, obviously, you mentioned the FA Cup there. We'll talk about that in a little bit more detail. But interesting to hear him say very pointedly, we need the money from that. So, um, obviously, they, they'll be targeting doing really well in that game at high. They they do tend to struggle in the Cup. Um, I think they'd, they'd love an FA Cup run. To get to the first round proper for Angels would be absolutely fantastic. Um, after that, elsewhere at the weekend... Um, Margate drew nil-nil at Whitehawk on Monday. Um, and as always with Margate fans, there's plenty of negative rumblings on social media. So much so that I was actually surprised to see them as high in the table as they are when I looked. They're ninth after five games. Uh, Invicta are fifth, having beaten Harlow on Saturday before that defeat to Angels. On Saturday this week, Folkestone go to Bishop Stortford and Margate host Lewis. In the Bostick South East Division... Uh, four Kent teams have 100% record still from three games. Ashford United, Cray Wanderers, Phoenix Sports and BCD Athletic. At the other end, both Whitsable and Sevenoaks have lost their first two after promotion, while Thamesmead have lost three from three. But, it, but it's still early days. Um, some good games there on Monday, Matt. Um, Ashford beat Faversham 2-0. BCD were 2-1 winners at Greenwich. Phoenix beat Thamesmead 1-0. Roy Smith grabbed a hat-trick as Ramsgate came from, came from behind to beat Whitsable 4-1. Sevenoaks lost a thriller 3-2 to Hastings United. Cray won 2-0 at Sittingbourne and higher than Herm Bay, true 2-2. Early days there, Matt, but it's looking like our Kent side, some of them certainly are looking the real deal and Ashford top of the table. Yeah, I think um, a lot better start than um, Ashford and Cray being top two um, than what we saw last season. Sittingbourne thing, Seven Oaks played two home games, so um, that could probably one of their strength in on their surface they've got down there. But scoring goals, just maybe that extra bit of quality that we... We wandered from the Bostick to the Scaffold. You know, that extra quality in attack and Hastings, they do score goals for fun. So, interesting times ahead. But yeah, I, I, I'm sure we're going to have a good thing. And, and Rory Smith with a hat-trick, um, good player for Ramsgate. I know you've raced him down the years, so we'll keep an eye. But I'm, I'm pretty press, pessimistic about the um, how our sides will do uh, this season. I'm sure we'll have a lot more in the top half of the table than we did last season. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, it, I mean, last year was pretty dismal in that league, but uh, apart from Cray, obviously, but hopefully this year um, we can provide at least the champions and one in the playoffs would be very nice. Uh, this weekend, Cray hosts Squinstead, Faversham take on Sevenoaks, Ramsgate are on the plane, they're going to Guernsey, Phoenix and Hyde are both off to Sussex, at Hastings and Haywards Heath, respectively, Herne Bay hosts Greenwich, uh, Thamesmead meets Sittingbourne, VCD host Early Strugglers, Three Bridges and Wits will play Ashford in the Kent Derby. Um, we just whipped through the Southern Counties East League as well. Uh, Chatham still lead the way after a 1-0 win at Hollands and Blair on Monday. Lordswood have already played six league games, sitting third after a pair of Desmonds over the weekend, drawing 2-2 with both Punjab and Deal Town. Canter Canterbury City beat Sheppard United 3-1, while Corinthian continued their fine start to the season with a 1-0 win at Punjab on Monday. Uh, Beerstead grabbed their first league win of the campaign by becoming K-Sports 4-2. But Tunbridge Wells are still without a point after they lost 2-1 at home to Crowborough. Um, Tunbridge Wells was discussing them with someone else uh, last week as well, Matt. But they're going to be concerned about that, aren't they? Bo bottom of the league, out of the cup, and pointless. Yeah, you'd expect you know, you know, four years, five years since they were at Wembley, and just haven't kicked on as a club. From that point of view, I didn't expect them to to be right hiding riding high this season. But five games gone, five defeats, thirteen goals conceded, and that that, it, that is worrying. Um, I don't know, we want to poke a guy on our radio show, the guy from Panini said his dad goes every week and he was saying that, you know, it, it just hasn't kicked off since they went to Wembley. That should have been the, the springboard for them to move on. It just hasn't done it. So, yeah, problems at Tunbridge Wells because, you know, it's not maybe not a footballing town, but they've had some good times over the years 
and somehow they've got to get them back. Otherwise, you know, you know, they could be looking at relegation, and that will be a real kick in the teeth for them. Yeah, Irith Town host Crowborough on Wednesday night in the league. Um, also tonight is Lordswood's um, 50th anniversary celebration game against Charlton Eleven, which should be a good day out as well. Um, on Saturday, it's FA Vars time as well for the scaffold teams. The road to Wembley could start here. Um, Southern County's East League Premier and Division 1 sides involved in that. Um, to be honest, I started to write out the fixtures, but it was far too long to mention them all. So I'm just going to pick out a few. Uh, Punjab United's debut in the competition, they travel to Lyd. Uh, Fisher meet Corinthian, bit of a derby there. And Lordswood are at home to, and Matt, I've not made this up, they're at home to Fire United Christian. Um, you can see all the fixtures for the FA Vars on the Southern Counties East League website. I'm guessing you're a fan of Fire United, are you? Where, any idea where that is? It's a London, you see, I did, I did my research. It's a London-based club. I think they're, they're in Lewisham. Um, but they are, form, I think they're all formed of Brazilian players. Um, or, so there's a little, bit of, a little bit of the Samba boys coming to Lordswood on uh, on Saturday on uh, on Saturday in the FA Vars. Um, so yeah, pretty interesting interesting proposition. You can look them up if you just search Fire United Christian on Google. You'll be able to find out about them. But yeah, they they are a bit bit of Samba, a bit of a uh, bit of something different. And it's it's nice these FA Vars ties because we get to hear of places that we we never normally would hear of. I mean. I had an exciting moment in the summer. Actually, I didn't have an exciting moment. I was on a long trip somewhere and it got even longer. But I nearly went to Saw Bridgeworth and we had a conversation about them on the podcast last year, didn't we? Oh, yeah. They, 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 they tweeted me. I was looking out for them. They come out to fire. Da, 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 they bring me. I think that was that Roy Wood, I think. It might have been Roy Wood. There you go. That's my thing from there on. You like my fire by the doors. But yeah, Fire United. I want to hear the um, guy on Five Lives say Laws with one. Fire United Christian. Yeah. What a great name. I'd I, I like I, to think that maybe, Matt, you could keep an eye on that and mention it in your commentary on Saturday. How about that? Yeah, okay, yeah, Fire United. What a name. I don't know. There must be an app. That's fantastic. Fantastic. That's what, that's what the FA Vars is about. When about four million teams go into it and, uh, <laughs> and it goes from there. And, uh, from that. Yeah, we're looking out for... I'm putting, I'm putting my mortgage on the Fire United Christian again places with their Brazilian players. Excellent. Um, last one, by absolutely no means least, let's have a look at the FA Cup, which started for our Bostic sides on Saturday and continued for plenty in the scaffold too. Still standing from the lower level of Beckenham Town, who beat Epsom and Yule in a replay on Tuesday night to set up a first qualifying round tie with Walton Casuals, while Corinthian had a superb 1-0 win at Chipstead as they secured a tie at home to Horsham. Irith Town will play Loxwood in a replay on Monday night for the right to play either Rains Park or Speltham Sports, while Rustall held Cray Wanderers at Hayes Lane, and they will meet again next Wednesday where a trip to Met Police is on offer for the winners. Um, from the scaffold, though, it was the end of the road for Beerstead, beaten 2 0 at Sittingbourne, and Chatham, who lost to Ramsgate. Um, Herm Bay had the high score of the weekend from a Kent view as they won 7 1 at Arundel, with Jake Embry scoring a hat trick, while Thamesmead, Whitstable, Faversham, Hythe, Seven Oaks, and Phoenix also progressed. But Ashford went out losing 3-2 at home to Horsham YMCA and VCD Athletic were beaten 3-2 at Hastings. Um, some interesting results there, Matt, but not too bad to get that many teams through to the next round. Yeah, and with the draw, we're going to get a few into the second qualifying round as well, aren't we? So, um, yeah, I think um, yeah, I think it's right. Hastings beating other Kent sides for 2 They're playing Kent sides all season. They seem to win 3-2 in these games, but... Yeah, you're always going to hope the sides go through. So we're going to have at least an interest in the second qualifying round when the conference 
North Conference Conference South sides come in as well. So yeah, it's it's an embryonic at the moment, but the next few weeks you'll see it grow the FA Cup as the, the bigger sides come in. But there's a couple of cracking sides, I have to say, in there. First qualifying round proper, John. Well, exactly, yes. We've already heard Hyvee playing Tunbridge Angels, and I think that's going to be a brilliant tie. Another Kent Derby at Southwood, where Ramsgate are going to play Seven Oaks. Uh, Faversham are at home to Worthing. Phoenix host Lansing. Margate take on Wessex League side Horndean. Thamesmead travel to Moneyfields. Whitswell at home to Bognor Regis. Uh, Herm Bay face a trip to Leatherhead, managed by former Margate boss Nicky Bull, of course. Folkestone will go to Burgess Hill and Sittingbourne at home to Gosport. So some really interesting ties there, and we'll look. At, we'll probably look ahead to them uh, next week. Uh, hopefully, we'll get some interviews. Looking forward to those guys. Well, I know we will because I'm going to a game myself uh, where uh, I'll be able to speak to a couple of those managers. But it's it's exciting times for these teams. But as you heard Steve McKim say, you know, six thousand pound for the winners here, and that money can make a lot of difference. Especially, you know, it'll make a difference to Tunbridge Angels. But think how much of a difference it'll make to. Irith Town, if they get through, you know, it'd be fantastic. Yeah, they've, they've increased the uh, money this season, which is really good to see. I think they've doubled it from that. But it puts pressure on. When you listen to Steve McKim saying that, you've got to get in the cup. How many managers are like that this season? We've got to get through, got to get through. Because the money, I think Tunbridge Angels haven't been to the first round. I know Matt Davidson, you know, the big Tunbridge fan, knows that. Is it early 70s? They got close before and never got in it. But, you know, you could... You, 6,000 here, you probably get 10,000 for the next round. I don't know what it is, thing, but a good cut run to maybe the third, fourth qualifying round could earn you up to 16, 20,000 pounds. And that sort of money is absolutely crucial to this size. Just, you know, unfortunately, even at this level, it all comes down to money, how important it is. Because if you get through, you can keep those players. You lose early on and you don't get the money, maybe your budget gets cut and you start losing players, which I know has happened to Tumbies before. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big time. And, you know, we've kind of touched on it already, but for these clubs, it's so important to start the season well because this is your big moneymaker as a club. You know, it, once you're out of the FA Cup, you, you're just relying on your on your league form. You know, I mean, obviously, if you're in the scaffold, you've got the Vars to dream of Wembley, but that's hardly a, a massive money spinner. But for your Tunbridge Angels, your Margates, and all the teams in the in the Bostic South, this is where they, they're likely to get their... You know, their big boost, their big financial boost. And if you have a good FA Cup run, then you, you might even get a little bit more in the budget to bring in some more players and really push for a league as well. So a good Cup run can make a season. A bad Cup run can break it, can't it? Well, I think that's what happened in Tunbridge Angels the last couple of seasons and some other Kent sides, you see it. Yeah, and it will happen. You'll see clubs saying, oh, we've got out of the Cup early, so we've let, had to let XYZ and ABC go on those situations. So, yeah, interesting uh, times ahead from those, some of these guys and you know it's too, maybe there's too much pressure on these sides to do it with the money coming in but we can't all win but good luck to our sides and we'll discuss that next week in the, uh, in the pod next week we certainly will and, and good luck to all of our teams at the weekend as well because it's going to be it's another big weekend and I, I just hope somewhere Dover can get a result because I can't keep going on with this uh, negativity from from my co-host here especially as I've got to see him on Monday as well and I'm going to be tired so um, I'm not I don't need him to be moaning about how, how poor Dover were at home on Saturday again. Yeah, well, my concern is, is you know, you know, absolutely, um, you know, a, a lot better than Dover at the moment. They come down here and give us an absolute tonking. That will be um, a bit worrying, and you know, I, I fear for Chris Kinnear as well because you know he's a decent manager, but um, people think that. Um, his job's on the line uh, and, he, and he needs to get a result and he needs to get one fast. But fingers crossed we can do it. We'll start with Barnett, which won't be easy because we never beat John Steele team. But yeah, football's 
football's not good at the moment, John. You know, my mood is normally good. The last four years, David have been good, so I've been happy-go-lucky, Matthew Gerrard. When they lose, it affects you, doesn't it? Do you find that? Yeah, I know what you mean. It can, it does get in your head, doesn't it? I mean, I'm lucky I don't support a specific team anyway, but, you know, I, I can completely understand. It can ruin a weekend when a result doesn't go your way. Um, I completely understand that. Obviously, you're at the two uh, games over the weekend for, for the Whites. I'm, you yeah. know, I've got a pass for Saturday afternoon and I'm going to be heading down to Salters Lane where I'll be watching the Fav- Favisham against Seven Oaks game. Looking forward to seeing how Seven Oaks um, are settling into life in the Bosses. Obviously, they've lost their first two games. And catching up with Favisham and, and Ray Turner and, and seeing how they're going as well. So that'll be an interesting game. Um, that's pretty much it for your Kent Non-League podcast this week. Um, been really good show. Actually, really enjoyed it. I, I I think we've got a couple of good interviews in there as well. So hopefully you've enjoyed them. Thanks as always to Neil Smith, Steve McKim for uh, giving up their time and chatting to us. Uh, if you really like Neil Smith, you'll be able to hear more of Neil Smith on Monday evening on BBC Radio Kent between nine and ten, when he'll be on the air with myself and Matt um, on our our little radio show, which we're looking forward. We're also going to be talking about running as well on Monday. So if you want to hear us talk about something other than non-league football, you're in for a treat because the running section is going to be really good. Um, all that remains to say is you can follow us as always on social media, on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast, on Facebook, you can find us at Kent Non-League. And uh, thanks everyone for listening and we shall speak to you all next week. I'm trying to be more positive. <laughs>